me gold. And I, and I sit here and I ask myself whether or not this signals really the bigger exit of Anglo-American broadly. But we do know it signals the exit of Anglo-gold. But, uh, you know, how far does the reach of the Anglo-American corporation still extend here in South Africa? Yeah, I mean, Amplat is still here. So mm. that's obviously, you know, the huge assets there. And I think they're here to stay, um, especially the way operations are called platinum side. But, you know, as far as Anglo Gold, you know, the, the sale has been on the cards for quite a while now. So in terms of Anglo Stable, we still have quite a few mines in South Africa that are still in the, um, like, so the plat side. And um, there, yeah, there's some different operations, but obviously the gold exit is a major one. And, you know, it is, yeah, just, mm. it's, it's a big transaction for them. But otherwise, they, you know, they still do have some as a stable in, mm. in the country. I mean, what does this tell us about the state of play in the gold sector? We've certainly heard for the last few years or so about, you know, deeper ore bodies, kilometers into the ground, which uh, certainly present um, a lot of uh, unforeseen costs for many of the gold miners in, in a country which historically really was a bounty, uh, you know, for many prospectors uh, from across the world. So, you know... In this transaction, you know, the good thing is that my South African miner selling to another South African miner. So, you know, the, the mining still stays within our hands as a country and within our own corporates. Um, as far as, you know, the mines that are being sold, obviously, you know, you've got Bonning, which is the deepest um, at over four kilometers. And, you know, under resources, I used to have a lot of resources underneath there. But, you know, the problem is it requires a whole lot of capex. And, you know, it, 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 costs, it costs so much to be able to reach those. That's why, in terms of the purchase price, a lot of it is, you know, is the, the contingent part has to do with being able to tap into those um, resources that are below below the surface. Um, but, you know, it's not likely that Harmony is going to go and try to extract those minerals right now. Mm. So, you know, what they've got now, I think for many of the miners, um, in terms of the short reserve life, on the, there's a lot of short reserve life on the current assets. Sure. So you really, you know, to the production. That's why production hasn't been exactly been, you know, stellar in the gold sector. I mean, haven't seen them shoot the lights out. You know, that's a contributing factor. So at least there still are mines that do have resources. But I think, you know, all the management teams have to kind of weigh up, you know, new exploration, new contracts, and and the capex required, mm. still while also having a good balance sheet. So in terms of, you know, the outlook of getting production up. You know, sometimes you get with the with the with the with the sour lemons, which are these rather deep, deep mines. Um, because I think, you know, in terms of the shelf life and resources that are available that are just the surface, um, you know, the reserve life there is quite you know limited now. Mm-hmm. No, Rosalie, I want to suppose here for a second and uh, take a quick spot break, but when we come back, uh, let's take a look at that trading statement that came out of uh, Tiger Brands. They certainly uh, haven't uh, found anything to smile about uh, over the last while and uh, be it that listeriosis crisis that they had. And I also want us to take a look at uh, trade union solidarity and how they've responded uh, to the Kwasanto uh, ESCOM, uh, I guess, savior plan, if I can put it that way, which uh, has a lot to do with how uh, public sector unions uh, and uh, the pensions of many of their members and uh, those that they represent can be used to save ESCOM. We continue with our business wrap on the other side of this brief break. But just to give you a sense of what's come through from that trading statement from uh, Tiger Brands, these are the guys, uh, yes, uh, give us Enterprise Poloni and many other things. And uh, they saw the headline earnings per share from Total Operations, uh, which uh, strips out some uh, once-off events here. Uh, expected to be anything between 533 cents and the 478 cents, which is uh, between 30 and 37% lower uh, than what they posted in the previous year. But uh, also... Uh, I guess, uh, you know, as it relates uh, to 
some of the issues around the value-added meats business, which uh, produces the Russians and uh, the Poloni and all of the other uh, stuff that uh, was at the center of the uh, crisis around listeriosis. Well, uh, it seems here that they've received a lot of uh, offers for that uh, particular business. And uh, I don't know if it's uh, a business uh, one would want to get rid of. I hope I have you back on the line, Nolwant. Yes, I am back. Nolwant, we're talking about this, uh, you know, uh, uh, trading update and trading statement here from Tiger Brands. And uh, uh, I might have gone ahead of myself. So maybe, you know, let's go back for a second here. Just on earnings and a revenue front uh, here, let's talk about... Uh, I guess uh, what would have driven uh, uh, this, uh, you know, uh, I guess uh, slower than expected showing on their part. And then we can touch on uh, their value-added meats business. It has to be, you know, the grain segment. Um, that is the biggest contributor to the group. I mean, if you look at what they did for the full year of $29 billion of revenue, a huge chunk of about $13 billion came from grain. So that will be your bread, your pastas, mm. and um you know, your, your, your millimeter. So that has always been like the big segment for for Tiger and it's always been the most competitive. And that's that's where probably the most of the, the, the detraction from earnings came from, has mm. to be. And um, the VAMP segment, obviously, it's, it's become very small given the listeria outbreak. So it had been, you know, very, very small contributor. But for your earnings to be down by a third, that means one of your, your biggest segments really came under strain. And... um According to you know the the trading statement, they did say that they had pressure within your breads and your and breads mm. and your rice and you know so all the all your grains did come under pressure. Yeah, and we also saw them, of course, uh, uh, I guess uh, indicating that uh, after tax capital profit of two hundred eighty two million this after uh, they uh, sold some of their shares in Oceana, which uh, you know uh, um, is they the guys behind Lucky Star, probably one of the largest fishing entities on the continent, and they sold some of those shares back to Brimstone. Um, and, and I'm sitting here asking myself, if I look at this value-added meats business and you think about that class action, it's probably one of the assets. Yes, it's a, a big spinner for them. But, uh, I mean, with all these offers uh, that are hovering around that particular business, w- would you want to sell this one? Um, I think they've made a decision that, you know, we just want to get rid of it. I mean, it wasn't exactly, not really high-margin business anyway. Mm. So, like I said, it had become very not a, not a very big contributor anyway. So I think that's the reason why they're trying to, you know, they've got a big portfolio. They really have a massive portfolio. And the market share that they lost in advance, um, it didn't come back. You know, mm. so the people, people, some people still, I mean, I haven't had Cologne since, <laughs> since the, since the, since the story, years or so. Um, and also, obviously, the competitors obviously got to get in the market share. And, the, you know, one of the things is, you know, when it comes to brands, if for a small t- portion of time you are forced to switch away from the usual brand, um, you know, if it comes back to the market, that's necessarily you're going to go back to it. Mm. So, you know, they've lost also a lot of customer loyalty in that, in that, in that respect. So, and what Tiger Brands prides itself is on being in the top three in terms of the brands of the categories that they're in. So once they're in the top three, you know, it's not really you know, a good product for them. So that's what they're always striving for. That's what they've been. They've, you know, changed themselves as a, as a premium product, you know, top three in all the categories. But, you know, having them, having done so poorly, um, you know, it, they saw it as strategically just, you know, needs to go. Um, so it's, it's currently up for sale now. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, certainly a slew of bad news for them there. And uh, one wonders whether or not uh, the disposal of those assets uh, will lead to a turnaround in their share price because we saw earlier on today and on one that share price getting a beating. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's not even a sale that needs to drive the share price. It's now, um, you know, the strategic direction of this business. Mm. That is the biggest problem. You know, where it dominates is, and obviously, as I mentioned, is the grain segment, and the competition is fierce. 
you've got Pioneer in there, you've got, you know, your Premier Foods in there, you've got Pioneer, you know, Pioneer and Premier Foods in there, those are two big, fierce competitors. Um, so the bread space is competitive. I mean, the price of bread has probably been the same for the last, like, two years. Mm. You know, if you look at the inflation, it's not moving anywhere. That means the push, and but the, the input costs have been, it's been there, they've been increasing. Um, so, you know, it's been very fierce competition there. And, you know, in terms of the other portfolio, they haven't been doing anything to grow them as well. They haven't been showing good growth out of those portfolios. So in terms of where, in terms of placing your brands and getting, you know, your consumers to, you know, choose your brands, because now, you know, white labels is dominating now. You know, people with white label businesses are thriving. You know, consumers have been trading downwards now. And the premier brands, you know, you're not well placed. So ultimately, this is about strategy. This is a strategy called this business. Mm. The balance sheet is doing okay. Um, they've got sales. Sales means that obviously there's cash coming in or potentially. Um, so completely, I think it's, it's a strategy decision here and how they make sure that those brands, you know, stick through the test of time and can fight of competition. Okay. All right. Uh, let's shift our attention now uh, to a global perspective here. Now, Airbnb, now, they've certainly. Uh, I guess resonated with certain segments of the uh, tourism and the accommodation market here in South Africa. Uh, but uh, it seems for the first nine months of 2019, not a good showing here. Lost 4 billion rand. Uh, talk to us about, uh, I guess, what would have driven that and uh, what the potential impact might be on some of their ambitions uh, to uh, uh, list this particular entity and uh, probably create, much like other tech companies, a bumper IPO. So, you know, the business model for NB is very much like your Uber's. What they'll typically take is about, you know, say 5 to 15%. Anyway, there they will charge, you know, the, the users that are on their platform. So, you know, homeowners that are on their, you know, get a house, someone to, you know, use your house and on Airbnb, and they'll take, you know, the cream off the top. So that's just a simple business model. And in order to grow, you just have more users and people, you know, using the services more often. And that's, that's, that's as basic as it is how it works. So in terms of, you know, the cost, the incremental cost shouldn't be that much. Think about it. Um, you know, the top line should be able to grow, especially over the festive season with lots of of movement and, and traveling. You know, should see, you know, good increase in income. So on this, what happened in this month is that they went from a profit to a loss. So that means that, you know, the, the cost part was, was really massive. And it, what they say is that, you know, what this cost was spent on um, is on, you know, improving the safety of the platform as well as marketing and sales. So there's those of overheads that mentioned that cost much. And but I mean we're looking at um anywhere between I think around five hundred million um dollar swing, which is quite a lot for for, for systems upgrade if that's what it is and marketing and spending. Mm-hmm. So and for a company that that's fast to list is obviously now in a lost position. And, you know, the only company I, well, the only company that I can actually, you know, say they've done a good job from listing when they're unprofitable to becoming profitable is Amazon. Um, but, you know, you know what, everyone is an Amazon who can, you know, turn around profitability as well as they have and become, you know, you know, and show such good growth and success, especially given that the business model for Airbnb is not one, it can easily be disrupted. You know? mm. So it, it's, it's not a good thing because also, you know, um, the technology space has got, you know, lots of IPOs that have come up and have failed. So the appetite for a loss-making entity now is probably going to be not so great in the market, and they probably will not be able to get the valuation that they want when they list. Um, so showing a negative number is definitely not good for IPO, mm. and I imagine now they'll definitely push it forward um, until they can show positive numbers. Otherwise, you know, they will definitely not get the value they hope to get from their list. Yeah, yeah. And Ronja, before I let you go, I mean, a lot has been said 
uh, recently about some of the you know tactical maneuvers and the role that uh, successive losses play in that. Uh, some people have suggested in the case of Uber, you know, and others that uh, you probably want to make a loss for you know a few years or so, trying to undercut whoever else is in the marketplace, so that you can capture enough of the hearts, pockets, and uh, uh, of some of your consumers and the market share. Um, what do you make of that? What do you make of that? Do you think there's a similar strategy at play here or there's a potential for a similar strategy at play here that wouldn't spook out investors when they see a 4 billion rand loss if they see it in the context of trying to capture a much larger market share? So, um, you know, the financials, is from, from what I've read, is that, you know, they were profitable for the last two years and then in the actual, you know, there was more of expenses that were not related to, you know, being competitive on price. And they're not really, they don't really control the price. It's ultimately the, you know, the, the, the homeowner who's, who's putting up their property to sell. Mm. So they have to say how much they put their rental. So they don't have, it's not like either way you can determine the price versus the area, mm. um, and the cities. It's, you know, they don't have control over that. So they're not actually, you know, have, can't use that as, as, as a driver, you know. So it makes sense for them, given that they don't have that control over the pricing, to now, to invest in sales and marketing. But, you know, that sales of marketing shouldn't now offset the revenue. Sure. Um, you know, you've been to able grow in the last two years, um, you know, and you've shown profits. And then in just one period here now, it's completely gone backwards. Um, and, the, you know, there should be at least some maybe sales to pack it up. So whatever it is, it has to make sense and, you know, be justifiable. And, you know, we do understand where some companies will make losses in the first instance. Um, there's many, surely, that have many. I mean, you had even Snapchat, you know, also had mm. a similar situation. Um, but, you know, those costs need to be justifiable at the end of the day, whatever they are. Okay. Well, Rwanda, we'll have to leave it there. So, I'm always a pleasure catching up with you. And, uh, yeah, until we catch up again next week. Okay, great speaking to you. Awesome stuff. That there was Nolan Limtombeni, analyst at Emergency Investment Manager, speaking to us for our wrap of the top business stories this evening here on Metro FM Talk. Business, business, business wrap of the day.